Thank you for joining us. This is the Fisheries Podcast, a weekly podcast that shares the stories of the amazing people and projects that make up fisheries science. If you haven't already, follow the podcast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at FisheriesPod. If you are the generous sort, you can be like John, Robin, Janet, Ben, Walker, and Garrett, who all support the podcast on Patreon. Through Patreon, you're able to support the show with either a recurring or one-time donation, which helps us pay for various parts of the show. And if that isn't your thing, you can also purchase Fisheries Pod shirts, hoodies, stickers, face masks. Uh, all of that is on our Teespring store. So if you feel inclined to do that, check it out. Our guest today is Alyssa Mostrom. Alyssa is a recently graduated Arkansas Tech alumni who majored in fisheries and wildlife science. During her time at Arkansas Tech, she was also the president of the Fisheries and Wildlife Society. She also did an undergrad study on darters in Northwest Arkansas, which hopefully we get to learn more about today. Welcome to the podcast, Alyssa. Thank you. I'm pleased to be here. All right. So let's start by getting to know you a little bit more. So Alyssa, tell us a little bit about yourself. So I recently graduated from Arkansas Tech University with a bachelor's in fisheries and wildlife biology. I'm a first-generation student. None of my family had previously gone to college, and I have got the pleasure of going um, and worked really hard for it. And I have several different things that I've done throughout my career here at Arkansas Tech, uh, that including an undergraduate study, um, being president of the Fisheries and Wildlife Society here. I've also picked up some hobbies like Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, and I've worked through school in order to pay off my student loans and stuff like that. So I've been pretty busy here. I've also been a technician for the least turn study that was going on here with Carice Godby. I was also the vice president of the AFS chapter here in Arkansas Tech. That's quite the rap sheet, Alyssa. And luckily I have been uh, able to be by your side through a lot of that. So like for the Fisheries and Wildlife Society specifically, I'm lucky enough to know every single minute detail about it for <laughs> intimately. <sure. laughs> but uh, for the folks at home, could you tell them a little bit about that society? So the Fisheries and Wildlife Society is uh, pretty much a club here at Tech that brings in students from our fisheries and wildlife degree um, and helps us interact with the community, interact with professionals, basically just getting your name out there and being active in volunteering, uh, doing cleanups, prescribed burns. We also put on events like Beast Feast, um, and we go to a competition called Conclave uh, that is the Southern Division, and that goes across several different states, competing against several different colleges. It's a pretty good club to be in, especially because of the people that you get to meet through it. If you you know, have the pleasure of being an officer, you have a little more responsibility in the club and you get to interact with a whole lot more people. I'd go to the Yale County Wildlife Federation building um, during their meetings and interact with some either retired or currently active Game and Fish, USFWS, worked with several different people and worked very closely with them, helping them whenever they need. We participated in Bearcat Hollow, which is a huge uh, elk habitat restoration project um, where we go out there, we planted seed, cut down trees, painted gates, planted different trees, put up fence, uh, all sorts of different things, just whatever they needed, whenever they needed it. Yeah, it was, um, it was a different thing every year just about yeah, at that place. Never doing the same thing twice. Um, we also have a stretch of road uh, here in Russellville that we'll go and clean up. We go to Petty Jean and help with the Great Arkansas Cleanup. Uh, Just whenever the community needs us, that's where we go. Um, But the great thing about it is we also do a lot of cool things within the club. We pull in guest speakers over Zoom uh, due to COVID restrictions. You know, we we try to keep that safe. Uh, And we also have Quiz Bowl to challenge our students and our members to what have you learned in class? Can you still remember it from class and still apply it to questions, which that quiz bowl team also goes to conclave and competes um, against numerous other colleges? Yeah, totally. And I think you really said a mouthful with pretty much all of that because I think it really does say just how important it is to be part of the club in your department. We do uh, things a little bit differently than what other schools may do i know just about every school i've seen they do uh they structure their departments a little bit differently or their degree is a slightly different name we consolidated our uh departments fisheries science and wildlife science are consolidated into fisheries and wildlife science and uh 
whenever you go into the degree, you can choose if you want to focus on fisheries or wildlife. I, for one, am focusing on fisheries. Alyssa decided to double certify and do fisheries and wildlife, but that's just how we do it there. So I think that is pretty beneficial to get to learn about fisheries and also get to learn about stuff outside of that as well. And once again, I want to emphasize the importance of being in a club. If you do have a fisheries club or a fisheries and wildlife club like we do here at Tech, definitely join that because not only are you going to make friends, but you're going to have a lot of opportunities that could turn into your career later on down the line. Some advice that had been given to me before I came to college was given to me by uh, a family friend who had said, you know, your grades matter. They're definitely, they're definitely important. But what really matters is what you do outside of the classroom. It's, you can shine in the classroom all day, every day. But if you're not applying it outside of the classroom, if you're not, you know, pushing yourself to, to take on more activities, you know, to take on more responsibility or, you know, push yourself to gather skills that you're not going to gain in the classroom, then... Did you ever really go to college? Did you get the experience that you right. needed? You know, it's, it's important to be active outside of the classroom. You can't just come in and just leave. The classroom doesn't stop there. The classroom is every day, everywhere. No matter where you go, no matter who you meet, the classroom is all the time. You never stop learning with this degree. And it's, it's an amazing degree to be in. Yeah, totally. I agree because I haven't always gone to Arkansas Tech. I was a transfer student. I got my associate's degree in a place called North Arkansas College, just a little bit north of here. And it definitely wasn't anywhere near as hands-on and interactive as it is here. But of course, the degree is really demanding of that kind of stuff. But it really did surprise me whenever I got into this degree, just how much I would be doing like hands-on, not only in class, but also outside of class with the society, but also with helping like Alyssa with her undergrad, for instance, there's just so much to do and it's always enjoyable to do. And I really love doing it. I didn't exactly know what I wanted to do whenever I graduated uh, junior college and got my associate's degree. I kind of just picked fisheries science just because I like, you know, I kind of like fish. I'll do it. Why not? Might as well. I don't know anything else I like more than fish, so I'll do that. So I ended up doing this and it's turned out to be one of the most gratifying experiences I've ever done. It really is great. It's, it's really rewarding. Um, I chose this degree mostly because I love being outdoors. I had really big influences in my life, uh, which was my family. My family was really outdoor oriented. So no matter what we were doing, we were always outside doing something, you know, just trekking through the woods just to see what we could find. My pops had taught me how to fish and how to hunt. And my grandpa had Alzheimer's, but he used to be a river guide. So his happy place was out on the river. And it just brought so much joy to my heart to see him smile when we took him out on the river again. Um, So I had decided, you know what, I want to keep doing that. I want to keep being outside. I want to keep studying things. I want to keep learning things every day, every hour. You know, you always find something new and interesting outside. Uh, not to mention, you know, you learn a lot in the classroom, but going outside, there's just nothing else that can compare to it. There's no other passion that I can pursue that will be as strong as fisheries and wildlife. Yeah, totally. I agree. And it seems like every time I ask that question on, uh, this podcast and I've hosted, I don't know, like four or five episodes at this point. And every guest that I've asked, like what inspired you to go into this field? Every one of them, they, they just, it's like the answer is obvious. Mm-hmm. You're just outside by the water with the fish. What joy. What joy could be greater than being outside with the fish? It's the natural state. That's right. And it has such a rich variety of wildlife and uh, fish as well. We have a super diverse list of species. I think there's there's over 200. There's like 230 something odd species here in Arkansas of just fish alone. So it's pretty cool that I'm able to study fish in a place where there's so many species to study. And I definitely took advantage of that as a kid growing up. I definitely fished a lot of the lakes around here. And I know your story is pretty similar. You're kind of like a trout person because you grew up around cotter over there by uh and flipping which is apparently the trout capital of the world <laughs> we say so, that so they say, we say that. <laughs> the <laughs> self-proclaimed trout capital of the world 
I was more into centrarchids, like bass and stuff. So I would always go to the little buffalo or there's this other, which uh, goes into the Buffalo River, which goes into the White River, which goes into the Arkansas River, which goes into the Mississippi. You know the deal. So little buffalo was the place that I fished a lot. And there was always a lot of smallmouth bass and rock bass. But that was what I grew up with. So to make a career out of doing stuff like that is wonderful to me. And I think even though I get pretty much the same response every time I ask that question, it's always fun to ask because I like the joy that it brings people to talk about it, really. We grew up in similar areas and had two separate experiences. So being in the same major, I imagine we probably have pretty similar college experience. How would you describe your college experience? I feel like I had a pretty good college experience. I really liked Arkansas Tech. I liked the town. You know, I, I liked my major. Um, but it's definitely changed with age. You know, you, you get older. You come in as like about an 18, 19 year old. I, I was from a fairly small town. I graduated with 36 in my class um, and moving to such a, what seemed like a big town, which now it doesn't, you know, it, it was really different and really challenging because it seemed like I didn't know anybody. I didn't know where anything was at. And it really weighed on my mental health. And ever since then, I had been struggling. Um, granted, it's changed since then. Uh, as I get older, the more I realize, you know, you don't need to worry about these things, but you still worry about them. And uh, I have some pretty bad anxiety, especially revolving around schoolwork. You know, <laughs> you're constantly thinking, you know, there's deadline, there's deadline, there's homework. I got to get done before midnight. I got to, you know, I got to test tomorrow. I got an exam. I got to quit. You know, there's so much going on at one time. And Something that really helped with that was other advice that I'd received from the same family friend. Um, he said, you know, college tests how much you can handle at one time without toppling over. So how much can you pile on top of yourself and balance and, you know, keep steady and, and keep rolling through, keep moving forward yeah. without letting it all fall apart? And I really feel like that is what the college test is, mm -hmm. you know, at college, you learn so much and you think that that is the only thing you learn is what's in the class. No, you learn some life lessons really quickly here. Uh, you grow up a lot, especially coming from, you know, a small town. I, I've had a lot of struggles, uh, especially with my anxiety. Um, and something that I feel like isn't talked about enough is what, you know, what struggles are you going through that you're not, you know, trying to seek help for? Who, why aren't you reaching out kind of deal? And in your mind, you know, you're like, because I'm by myself, because I'm alone, because you, you get to this point in your life and you're like, there's no one I can reach out to because you get mm -hmm. so lonely, uh, especially with COVID. That, that was what really did it for me is the only person that I could call to, you know, talk about these things was my mom because we weren't going to class. We weren't seeing our classmates. We, you couldn't make friends that way. You know, you can't see people's faces. You have to learn to read their eyes. Um, and that can really, really bring down your confidence in socializing, uh, especially if you're nervous about social interaction already, like I am. Uh, it, it definitely makes you rethink, well, why am I even here? You know, why, why, am I, why am I doing this to myself? Why do I keep struggling? Why do I keep pushing through? Why do I keep moving forward if all I want to do and everything else is screaming around me to stop? But then you realize how important it is because I'm a first-generation student, and for some reason it didn't sink in until I was walking out with my diploma in hand. Uh, from my graduation. But, you know, I, I realize now the significance for my family it holds. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't think that I was holding so much hope for them in my hands. Uh, they, they were my biggest support system. They were the ones who were there for me no matter what, even in the darkest times. Um, whenever I felt the most alone, they were there. My mom helped me tremendously. Uh, she was constantly helping me find scholarships. We, we applied for for scholarships all through my college career. And that's the only, you know, reason that I got to go to college uh, is because of scholarships. 
and because of the hard work that we had all put in. And I didn't appreciate the hard work that my family had put in until I graduated. Because at the time, you're thinking, oh, I'm, I'm doing all of this homework. I'm the one doing all of the apply. You know, I'm doing all of this. And then you realize your support system has been doing just as much work. <laughs> yeah, I agree. It's great to have that. And I want, I want to add to that. You were talking about COVID and how terrible that was. And I feel like it was really bad for our degree because if you'll recall, I was just talking about how hands-on this entire degree is both in and out of class with the club and stuff. Like we had to cancel so much of our society stuff because of that. And yeah, it is definitely a big downer. And you talk about the stress and the anxiety that you feel towards school. And I really do believe that school stress is just a different kind of stress. It's ridiculous. And like the best way that I can think to describe it is uh, I've always said like anytime it's toward the end of the semester, people always say like, oh, you can see the light at the end of the tunnel. It's there. It's coming. You're almost done. But man, that tunnel always seemed to me like the way I would describe it, I would always say, yeah, I'm at the end of the tunnel, but there's no light because the tunnel's collapsed on the end. Mm -hmm. So I have to still dig my way out. So I can't yeah. see the light just yet. It, it seems like every time you start a new semester, and this is how I would describe it, is you're in the tunnel and you see the light, but it just seems like no matter how close you get to that light, no matter how much you walk, how far you, you know, how fast you run towards that light, it always seems unreachable. And it's like, you're like, well, it's just, it's just right there. And then you start a new semester and then it moves back. It's like the tunnel is growing with you. So the, no matter how, how far, how hard you run towards it, you just don't reach the end until you graduate. And then you get to the end and you're like, I'm so tired. You know, you, you don't realize how much mental strain you put on yourself because you know, in real life, you have a schedule. You learn to, you know, you have select few things that you do in the day, uh, select few things that you learn during the day. Uh, but in college, if you're taking more than one taxono like ta uh, taxonomy course, you have two things to learn. You have yeah. to learn mostly because they're, you know, two separate classes. We'll take a uh, plant taxonomy and ichthyology. You know, very different. But you still you still have to learn Latin. <laughs> uh you have, you know, and you know, you really like languages and it may have been mm -hmm. easier for you to break the 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 names down because you could translate the mm -hmm. meaning, you know, uh you could translate it. And for anyone who, you know, doesn't know Latin, uh, it becomes very difficult. So you're learning the plants and the fish. So that's two subjects, mm -hmm. but you're learning another language at the same time. So yeah. you're challenging yourself to multitask, but that multitask feels like juggling. And yet, you know, your brain cannot function to do both. You know, eventually you stumble and, you know, you let you you drop your phone or, you know, you can't, you can't juggle any longer. Your arms are tired. And then by, by the end of it, you're like, I didn't learn anything. You know, like <laughs> you feel like you haven't learned anything, even though you make an A on your exam. Yeah. I always hated whenever courses would be like a crash course and they like jammed so much information in and you, you learn it for a brief moment enough to remember it for the test. And then once it's gone, once that's uh, gone by, it just immediately leaves your brain. I think it's because you're, you're so stressed out that once all that's over, you just drop it. So something I learned, and this is another mental health thing, um, is that if you have anxiety or depression or you know, have a lot of stressors in your life, your short-term memory is, is terrible. You mm -hmm. cannot remember anything short-term. So it makes studying that much harder. Uh, you have to study throughout the entire semester, which is already recommended. But, you know, no matter who you are, even if you study from day one to the day of the exam, you're still going to cram within that night before because you want to make sure that you've covered everything. You know, make sure you didn't miss anything. You're still cramming and you get to the exam and then all of a sudden you've studied this whole semester and you've committed it to memory. 
but your stress levels are so high about making the good grade uh, and keeping your GPA up, keeping your grade up, that your your memory just says, no, you're not going to do that. (laughs) You you think you know, you know, and then you finally start going through the questions. You're like, oh, no, this is... (sighs) can I read? I forgot how to read. <laughs> you know, you, yeah. you sit there and you look at the exam like it's, it's in a different language. And then you finally, you know, take a deep breath, you settle down and then you really focus. You, you start getting into this zone and you read the first question. You're like, Oh, I know that, you know, the, you get the, the, key, really, the key is to just breathe. Yeah. It's, it's learning to breathe and to realize that what is important is not the grade. It's what you learn to have the grade. So it, you, you're like, that's why I always said closer to the end of my co- college career is grades don't matter to me anymore because I didn't care about getting an A. I didn't care about, you know, striving to be the best in the class. What I cared about was learning. When I first got to college, I was so stressed about the grades that I didn't get good grades. And then when I stopped caring about grades and started caring about learning, my grades improved. Yeah, I agree. I've definitely felt the pressure for grades because I got straight A's in junior college. And there's always, on average, there's typically a GPA drop whenever you transfer schools. It doesn't have anything to do with uh, your ability or it doesn't have to do with anything. It doesn't have anything to do with the quality of education that you're getting at each school either. It's just hard to adjust to such a shift like that. And it's definitely stressful. Moving to a new town, if you know, if you don't live there, you're moving to a new house, you move into a dorm or, you know, an on-campus apartment, um, you have to learn to live with roommates, you know, you have to make new friends, you have to, you know, find a community that you enjoy being around, at least. You know, I, I've enjoyed being in my degree, so most of my friends were in my degree, it was people mm-hmm. I saw every day, but I also had friends outside of my degree. Um, which was mostly jujitsu. Um, I really enjoyed doing that because it gave me another community to talk about, you know, something other than fish. Sometimes you yeah. talk about fish so much or, you know, you talk about mammals so much that you're like, maybe we should talk about plants, you know, or, you know, just something different. You kind of switch it up. Um, Sometimes I just forget, like, I want to forget science entirely and just talk about other stuff. <laughs> yeah, it could be something that doesn't matter at all. You know, you're just like, okay, whatever. I just want to talk about something different because I've spent all day learning about it. I need to relax my brain. You you pick up a hobby or something. You find other friends. Um, but again, going back to learning to adjust, you have to learn to take care of yourself. and. If you're anything, you know, like me, where, you know, you, you, you forget that that's important and you're so focused on everything else that you forget to take care of yourself. Uh, you forget to take care of your mental health. Uh, you forget to encourage yourself and, and celebrate your successes. You are so focused on just everything else that you stop sleeping or some, you know, you stop sleeping. And most of most of the time, you know, college students will say, yeah, I got three hours of sleep, drank a Red Bull and was off to class, you know. And that's, you know, most people will say, yeah, that's what I did because you were up studying or, you know, you're up, you know, just doing something other than school, like just hanging out with friends. Mm-hmm. Um, I oftentimes I just hang out in my dorm because my best friend was my roommate. Yeah. And so we would just spend hours just talking about just anything other than school just to take our minds off of it because it's such a big stressor in your life that when you finally get that like it's kind of like a release it's a pressure release um to talk about any because you put so much pressure on retaining information that it feels like you're being pressed down and compressed and then you know you find someone who's outside of your degree they're your best friend you talk about anything which you know we don't talk about just fish we talk about everything i would i would lose my mind if all i talked about was fish i uh, love fish i love it you guys know that everyone watching this show knows it because i talk about them all the time but yeah you're right there definitely needs to be other hobbies 
you can use to get your mind off of that stuff. Mine is music, which I've talked about before, which that's a pretty standard hobby to have. I play bass. I'm in a band. We're called Nuco. We're on Spotify and Apple Music. Check us out. <laughs> but, plug uh, that link. <laughs> yeah, get that uh, Nuco plug. But uh, yeah, and it's different for everyone. Like you said, you do jujitsu, which is a pretty interesting one. That's definitely not your standard hobby. It's, it's definitely for... Uh a specific group of people that are willing to show up certain, and get beat up for a while. Certain personality <laughs> type. Yeah. Right. Uh, so something that I had realized, um, I, you know, I had friends who did jujitsu and one of them had worked on me for about two years before I finally was like, okay, I'll go to a class. And so I started doing it like the end of my junior year or, you know, right before my junior year or, I don't even remember at this point, but, um, I want to think you told me about it in like fall of last year, at least. Yeah. I, I've been doing it at least a year and a half now, which we're, we're super seniors. So that could have been senior year. That could have been <laughs> yeah. three years ago. Could have been senior year at this point. Uh, I've been in my senior year for what seems like three years, <laughs> yeah. but he had worked on me for two years before I was finally like, okay. I'll go. I probably won't enjoy it, but I'll humor him. You know, he's a good friend of mine. And he had taught me some like helpful self-defense tips, but the best self-defense is regular practice. You know, just continuing with, again, it's just like college. You have to continue your learning even outside of college. Yeah. Um, so he, I finally decided I'll go. So I show up in a t-shirt and shorts and I walk in there and I look around and there's only one other woman in there. Okay. So her name uh, is Dixie and she is super nice. You know, she's like, you could come work with me, you know, and she, you know, she's being real nice to me. She's showing me the basics and, you know, I was kind of getting frustrated because I'm like, I'm not going to like this. You know, I'm not going to, I'm, I'm rolling around on the ground. I, I, I'm sweaty. I'm gross. I smell feet everywhere, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, and then finally I got to the point where what we call a rolling. Uh, so rolling is the equivalent to sparring and boxing. You know, you, you finally uh, have an opponent and, you know, you're, you're just trying to work whatever you've learned. At that point, I had learned nothing besides just move and breathe. Remember to breathe. That was my biggest thing is I would hold my breath. <laughs> is that going to be our takeaway for the show today? Breathe. Remember to breathe. Yes, remember to breathe. That's the most important lesson anyone can teach you. Um, yeah, well, because you can't, well, you really can't do anything without oxygen in your brain. The less oxygen you have, the less you're able to function. So if you don't remember anything else, remember to breathe. Yeah, it's very important for life, you know. <laughs> um... But uh, I finally got to it, and my opponent was another guy. Uh, he was about my height and weight, and, you know, he's, he was a, I think at the time, he was like a three-tip white belt. And um, if you don't know anything about jiu-jitsu, there's four tips before you move up to next, uh, next belt, um, which goes from white to blue to purple to brown to black. Um, white belts are typically uh, very, what we would call spastic. Uh, and can be kind of dangerous. And uh, you have to be very careful because if you get a hold of one and they do something, you could, you know, blow out a knee, you could mess up a shoulder, you could be out for weeks. It, and so this guy was nice enough to take a risk by rolling with me. <laughs> and I'm like, look, I don't know anything. I don't know what to do. I don't know I don't even know the concept of jujitsu. And um, he's like, that's okay. And he proceeded to roll me into a knot, into a ball and roll me out the door <laughs> because <laughs> I, I walked out of there. I had, I was sore. Everything hurt. I'm like, there's no way I'm going back for more. And a year and a half later, I still continue to think that every time I walk out of the door. <laughs> but I love it. I love it because it has definitely increased my confidence, uh, not only in myself, but in my skills. And that's transferred into, you know, my ability to be uh, a biologist, potentially. Yeah, right. And if something is like really gratifying, you're going to do it, even if it's really tough. And I found that I was talking to you before we got on here talking about uh, music, which is 
what I do. Whenever I'm not doing anything with school or with work, I am doing music pretty much. It's my passion. I love playing the bass. I love writing music. I love playing with my band. But the learning curve for playing an instrument is about as steep as it gets when it comes to any kind of hobby. But there is nothing more gratifying than just picking up your instrument and just being able to play whatever you're feeling, whatever's on your mind, just from uh, muscle memory, pretty much. So as hard as it is, as many painstaking hours you have to do exercising or doing exercises and practicing and learning how to play it and learning your instrument, it's so gratifying. And you do become, I think you become a better person, a more disciplined person for doing it. Something that I've learned through doing jujitsu, and you learn this through any martial arts, but this transfers to learning any new skill like knitting or embroidery or painting, which I also do, (laughs) Um, is discipline and when to stop, when to take a break. And that's my biggest struggle is when to say no. Mine too. Uh, I I will take on responsibility that I really don't need to at the time period. You know, Mm -hmm. I've already got so much. I'm working two jobs. Uh, You know, I've got my own hobby that I'm very committed to. I've got my degree and my grades that I need to work on. I also have, you know, I go home and I see my family every now and again. And sometimes you just don't know when to say no. And eventually you wear yourself out. You Mm -hmm. give so much that there's nothing left to give. And when to say no is when you realize I need to put back into me. So I, I started making myself priorities, things that I found the most important. So obviously my school came first, but even before that was my family. So no matter what, you know, you have to make priorities. You have to learn what's really important to you. And then base your nose off of that. So if you have two options, one is to, you know, I need to study for this class, but I am so stressed out that none of this information is going to go into my brain. You have to realize I don't need to study for this class. I need to go outside mm-hmm. and breathe. Yeah, and exactly. Yeah. It's when you, when you get to a point where your mental health is, um, struggling and you feel overwhelmed and you are just not able to keep moving. You have to learn that it's okay to stop moving. It's okay to be still. Uh, It's okay to say no to everything else because you're important too. Mm -hmm. And so something that I had decided needed to be my top priority was my mental health and taking care of myself. So something that I've decided is to take time to myself um, and focus on my mental health and replenish myself before applying for jobs. Um, that, and I feel guilty for not jumping on, on the first job. You know, you, you graduate, you're like, oh, I need to get that job right away. But then you're like, if I can't even take care of myself, how am I supposed to perform at this job? How am I supposed to be at my top game at this interview? How, how am I supposed to even function when they say, Alyssa, go pick up that 50 pound sack over your head and take it to the truck. You know, if I can't even lift that 50 pounds because I'm so weak from not eating or not sleeping, um, then I can't, I can't do that job. There's no way. And so I had to say, no, Alyssa, you have to take a break it's okay right now to be still. You've put four and a half years into your degree. You have given your all for your degree. You've given everything of yourself to succeed and you've done it. You've succeeded. You've done what you've came here to accomplish. You've done more than what you came here to accomplish. When you got here, you decided, I just want to get my degree and get out, you know? And then I met friends and then I, you know, got involved in the society and, uh, you know, I've, started doing my undergraduate study with Dr. Colvin. Um, and that was more than what I came here to do. All of that was, you know, I, I didn't think I'd pick up hobbies like jujitsu. And now that I'm done, it feels like I don't know what to do with myself because I've accomplished so much that I'm not appreciating what I've done. I'm not, you know, celebrating the success. And now it's like, Alyssa, appreciate the fact that you have put this hard work into something that 
when you got here didn't think was possible. And so that's kind of where I'm at now is I'm excited to go to a job. I'm excited to apply for the jobs. I'm excited to do it. But I'm also realizing I can't do those jobs right now if I'm struggling. I totally understand. I understand the importance of taking breaks. I've especially learned that in the past year or so because I've, uh, I don't know if I've talked about it here on the podcast, but I'm not just a musician. I'm also an audio engineer. And basically what that means is that we uh, mix songs, we get the levels right, we get everything. Basically, if you want a song to get it ready for the radio or to put on a streaming platform, it has to be mixed, it has to be engineered, it has to be EQ'd and compressed and all that with all the other bells and whistles. And there's this phenomenon called ear fatigue. And it's where if you don't take a break and you're working continuously, you will uh, basically lose sight of the big picture. And whenever you finally do take a break after like, sometimes for me, it was like five or six hours sitting at the computer trying to get a mix right. You take a break for a couple hours and you go back and you realize that it sounds horrible because you weren't giving yourself enough breaks and you uh, didn't take time to stop for a minute and then come back with fresh ears. So yeah, I definitely agree with you that if you do feel like you need a break, you should take it. Have we talked about fish yet? I don't know. <laughs> no, we have not. The Fisheries Podcast. So, Alyssa, I had the privilege of working with you all summer, uh, working on this undergrad project of yours. So I know just about every minute detail about it. But for the people at home, can you tell them a little bit about what you did and what you studied? So I worked with Dr. Sue Colvin and Anthony Zynga on the effects of man-made barriers on historic and present sites of the Arkansas and Lee starters in the Ozark Mountains. Unfortunately, the paperwork that we needed in order to go sampling did not come in in time for me to go sampling before I graduated. So we took previously recorded sites of historic and present populations of both the Arkansas and Lee starters and decided to map those out in order to assist Anthony on his graduate study. Uh, so it was a pilot study. And this was going to help set up Anthony's master's. So I took previously recorded historical and present sites for the Arkansas and Lee starters and put them in ArcGIS maps and created several maps in order to see where are our barriers at, which Anthony assisted with me. Um, it, it was pretty stressful because it had been a little while since I had used ArcGIS Pro. Um, it had been updated since the last time I used it, so I had to relearn how to use it. So for a little while, it was mostly just me and Anthony pulling our hair out, trying to figure out what we were doing in the first place. But we ended up creating some awesome maps where it showed where our barriers were at, where our present sites were at, and where our historical sites were at. So when I say historical, it they had not been recorded in the past 10 years. So the sites themselves had not had an Arkansas or Lee starter recorded in that area. However, if an Arkansas darter was found in that area within the past 10 years, then that site was recorded to be present. So we made maps that were species specific and ones that had both species together. So it turned into a really cool project. It did not finish where we initially wanted it, but it was still a really nice undergraduate study to do. I definitely felt really awesome when it was finished because one, the stress and pressure is off, um, especially for being an undergraduate doing a pretty profound study, I feel like. For me, at the time when I was working on it, I was like, there's no way they can use this. This is not going to turn out well. And, you know, I was doubting my own skills. And then I finally came out with a finished project. And I was like, you know what? This is really cool, you know? I, and then I got really excited about it. And also, I really nervous about presenting. Um, and that's where I messed up on my pronunciation. Um, I got really nervous and couldn't pronounce uh, Cragnei. And I yeah. said Cragini. <laughs> Just the, the scientific name for the Arkansas darter. And I, I get very nervous. I have a lot of stage fright. And so what it... Turned out was it was a uh, virtual presentation and I didn't see anyone's faces besides uh, Dawson's, Anthony's and Sue's. And the entire time I'm sweating because it's like, I, I know that the only people who 
are really gonna make fun of me <laughs> in any way, shape, or form is Dawson. Because <laughs> he's like he's like, no, that's not you know, that's not right. <laughs> uh but it, it was definitely it was a really interesting project. Um and I I'm really blessed to have gotten to work on it. On a less serious note, I kind of wanted to talk about our degree. I was wondering like throughout your time here at Tech, what do you think your favorite class has been? Oh, that's a hard one. It's not a hard, <laughs> it's not a hard one for me. I know which one I've got. You, so yeah, yours is pretty obvious. Um, I really enjoyed all of my classes. I have felt like I got a lot out of my classes. And I really enjoyed my professors. You know, mm -hmm. you, you get to know, you're here for four years. You get to know your professors. And if I could pick more than one, I definitely would. But I really enjoyed fisheries techniques. Oh, that was so fun. I loved it because, it, you know, you get to take the backpack shocker out. And that is so much fun, you know, especially whenever you go into stream and, you know, it's, it's about waist deep. In, and the, then in the, the middle of January. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, maybe by your, bo your boots are kind of cold, but the rest is, you know, fairly warm. The fun part is watching everyone struggle <laughs> <laughs> to get used to their waders. And oh, yeah. that... Now, a lot of people, <laughs> some people didn't have waders going into it, so they just had to borrow waders from the shed, which we had several waders on standby, so... Those people, those kids had no experience whatsoever with them. And well, I think uh, a lot of people don't realize if you haven't worn waders, which I figure most people listening to this probably have, but if you haven't, they're uh, they're a little tricky, especially if you're walking in the on the creek bed and the, you don't have uh, those fancy ones with like a lot of grip. It'd be pretty tricky to walk on the on the rocks, especially if the, you know slick with algae. Uh, that it's. It's a lot of fun because you're also struggling and you know everyone else is struggling. So when you fall in at top your waders in, you know, little to no flow, it's not that big of a deal. You just pop back up. But the water is so cold when it hits you. All you could do is just you, you, you freeze. You don't, you know, it, it, you, it's like your whole body just turns to ice and, you know, you become like an ice sculpture, <laughs> yeah. but I enjoy, I enjoyed fisheries techniques because it took everything that I had learned in like my taxonomy classes mm -hmm. and applied them yeah. to real life. And that was why I enjoyed it so much. Um, also liked, uh, wildlife techniques, uh, wetland ecology. Those were really fun. I, I enjoyed those, uh, as well. Uh, I, as I said before, I, I really enjoy, or maybe I haven't said this before, but I really enjoy, uh, ecology. That's, that was one of my mm -hmm. favorite subjects. And here at tech, we have several different ecology courses. You know, you have yes. your, uh, basic intro e into ecology, and then we have wetland ecology. We have forest ecology and coastal ecology. Also, uh, limnology, and which limnology, is... Yeah basically freshwater aquatic ecology you learn a lot about hydrology as well but yeah that's a really interesting class yeah um we're we're actually really privileged to have uh, another professor who is bringing in a new uh, ecology course uh, called african ecology um oh, yeah. and i i really wish i could have taken that it would have been a really really cool course um but i i definitely enjoyed all of my classes as much as they were stressful i still enjoyed them <laughs> Yeah. I've already mentioned it on the podcast before, but without a doubt, my favorite class of all time was ichthyology. So I pretty much dedicated my heart and soul to that class. Me and my uh, buddies that I met in that class would literally study for our lab practicals in the lab until like midnight. And it was so fun getting to learn the fish, their characteristics and their names. And uh, I've said this before, and Alyssa just mentioned it a while, uh, while ago that I'm big into languages. Like I like studying stuff like linguistics and things pertaining to that kind of stuff. So learning and memorizing scientific names for fish came pretty naturally to me. I didn't have much of a problem with it. I know a lot of people struggle with it, but I guess because of my previous interest in words in general, I, did, I enjoyed that aspect of the class probably more than a lot of people do. 
Well, Alyssa, we've talked for a while. I'm glad to uh, have got to visit with you. It is nice. It's also nice to uh, have you in person. That's the first time I've done that. Don't have to mess with Zoom or anything like that. But now that the hard part of the interview is over, we're down to our final five questions. So this is a group of five questions that we ask each guest that come on the show. We always say that we start simple with the first one, but almost everyone has a hard time answering it. And that is, what is your favorite fish? That's always a hard question to answer because I always change my answer. Uh, there's just so many different species that, out there that I, I love them all. If I was going to pick one that I was interested in learning more about, then I would consider that, I guess, my favorite. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'd go with uh, Ozark Kfish. That's uh, a good one. It's it, They are so unique, you know, and I, I really... I wish I could get in on a project that was studying them. Uh, that's, that's definitely a really cool species to, to look into. Yeah, that's a good one. And I'm, I kind of agree. Like, I have a hard time picking a favorite. I don't even remember. Like, whenever Nick interviewed me and Jacob, whenever I, that was, uh, like, the second time I'd ever been on the podcast, he asked me what it was, and I don't even remember what I said. I probably said paddlefish because I think that's probably my default answer just because paddlefish are so cool. But I also... Uh, I don't know. There's a few darter species like the orange throat darter that I like quite a bit just because it's so pretty. But I, I guess I would be betraying my species if I didn't say the Arkansas darter, wouldn't I? <laughs> you'll, you'll work with It's okay. It, someone will ask me that in another two weeks and yeah. that, I'll say that answer. Then. Don't, get, don't get tied down to one species <laughs> just because you studied it. You can study more fish. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, next question. What is your favorite memory from your career so far? Uh, my favorite memory from my career so far would probably be uh, during fisheries techniques. We went out uh, to go seining and the creek that we were working in uh, happened to be bedrock and covered in algae. Also on a, like the bedrock was sloped. Too. Yes, it was sloped. So, uh, you know, you're walking around and... At first, it, you know, it's like gravel and then it switches to bedrock without, you know, the water gets a little deeper and you can't see it. And uh, <laughs> what had ended up happening was it looked like we were ice skating because <laughs> we're all trying. So we were saining and then all of a sudden, you know, the it switched to bedrock and Dawson and I are pulling this seine and I think I had to let go because I, I kept slipping and it sloped upwards, you know, the, it's getting shallower, but I couldn't quite get up the, the little slope there. And so I kept sliding back down and it got dangerously close to topping my waders. And so I did it about three times and then I look over and I see Dawson doing the same thing. <laughs> He's holding that seine up okay. and I'm like, why are we even holding the seine up? We've lost all of our fish. <laughs> yeah, that I was about chest deep. I was literally two inches away from topping my waders, and it's in the middle of like it's like January or February, and I didn't want to have to ride in a car all the way home, soaking wet and cold. <laughs> but man, if you've ever seen Scooby Doo try to run away from the monster, that's how it looked with me slipping on those rocks. His arms just you know holding that up, and he's just. The face he had was so worried, and I'm like, I shouldn't be focusing on him. I should be focusing on me. <laughs> like, so, we're both just trying to run up this slick <laughs> piece yourself. of bedrock. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, that one's great. Uh, next question is, what is your dream job slash location? Um, I don't know if I have a dream location, uh, but I definitely have a dream job, which would be a wetland ecologist uh, or a wetland manager, uh, mostly because I find wetlands to be just amazing. They're so unique. Um, they have such harsh conditions that uh, the evolutionary tracks that you find and adaptations that you find are so interesting to see, uh, you know, you're like, how is anything living here? There's, you know, you'll, you'll test the water and there's no, there's little, very little oxygen. It's like, there's no way a fish should be able to survive here, but they do, you know, and, uh, plants are, you know, the adaptations they have to, uh, so much water or in cases little to no water at times, uh, is just really cool to see. 
Yeah. And like the thing is with ecology, ecology is all about ecological constraints and the constraints that are created in a wetland environment do really make uh, for some pretty interesting animals and pretty interesting wildlife. Uh, if money was not an issue, what is one project you would like to work on? I'd like to work on microplastics. It's just a really cool field to study. Yeah, it's kind of, uh, it's new too. Like yeah. it's something that we has uh, become more popular in just the past few years. Yes, and there's there's a lot of new technology coming out where it's filtering microplastics, and you know, just to study the effects that it would have on fish uh, would be really interesting to see and how that works up the trophic levels. Interesting. So, final question. If there was one point or principle that you could have programmed into everyone's head, what would it be? I think a principle I would like for everyone to have ingrained in their mind is to be more understanding uh, and listen more. It seems like, at least now, it seems like there's so much noise in the world and to take a moment to simply listen. It doesn't have to be listened to anything. It could be listening to the birds and understanding why they sing. It could be going out and fishing and listening to the water and wondering, well, where's it going? Or, you know, listening to your friend and asking, well, what are they going through? So definitely attempting to be more understanding of those around you. And I think it would be a lot kinder place if we were doing that. Love that answer. Thank you. Alyssa, the last thing that I want to ask you is if people want to get more information from you or get a hold of you for whatever reason, how can they do that? They can email me at alyssa.mostrom at yahoo.com. Oh, a Yahoo address. Yahoo or That's Gmail. Fine. I have both. I have, I have Gmail both and as Yahoo. well. If you'd like to get a hold of us, you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at fisheriespod or old-fashioned email feedback at thefisheriespodcast.com. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. You can download past, present, and future episodes on your favorite listening app or stream it on Spotify or thefisheriespodcast.com. And don't forget, you can help support the podcast with a monthly contribution through Patreon or by rocking some epic Fisheries Podcast logo shirts, hoodies, and stickers, which are once again all available at Teespring. I'm Dawson Hicks. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Fisheries Podcast. And remember, always seek understanding. Do you remember the scientific name for the rainbow trout? Oncorhynchus micus. You still got it. I still do. Kind of gave you a softball, but you still got it. I know. What is the scientific name for... Hmm. Oh, you're the host now. You're asking me Yeah, questions. I am. <laughs> I, I, we're switching roles here. Um, let me think. Uh, striped bass. Uh, Marone saxatillus. Good one. <laughs> <laughs>